This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. It was announced last week that Wells Fargo was fined $185 million because people within the company created fraudulent accounts using customer information without letting them know. Approximately 5,300 employees were involved in the scam over the last several years and subsequently fired. To take a look at what happened here, we welcome in Wharton Assistant Professor of Business Ethics and Legal Studies, Peter Connie Brown. He's in studio and joining us on the phone, Lisa Cook, who's Assistant Professor of Economics and Business Relations at Michigan State University. Peter, great to see you again. Thank you for coming in. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Lisa, great to have you on the phone with us today. Great to be here. Thank you very much. Uh, in, in your mind, Lisa, which is more worrisome, the employees involved in this or the management part to it? You know, I I think they're equally worrisome, actually. And I would say the management part, let's start with the management part. I don't think it's just Wells Fargo. Um, I think that these uh, fees, no matter what their origin, are becoming a critical part of the profit model for uh, commercial banks in, in the U.S. So I think that that's the, that's the bigger issue, and this points to bonuses, uh, incentive schemes, um, and I think that there's a broader problem in the U.S. with respect to that profit model, but certainly uh, losing so many jobs as a result of this, uh, more than uh, 5,000 jobs as a result of this, is um, is a big deal, especially in an economy where you know the um, recovery has been uneven. Yeah, I, I would I would agree that there's uh, you know both on the employee side and management side there's some some troubling issues. What what troubles me about some of the uh, aspects of the of this news is that the 5,300 employees who were fired were fired starting in 2011. And that tells us that there's something going on at the management level that is a, that while these firings were occurring, they were stretching over four or five years, right? right? So, so what does that mean? I think it means that management is still saying that cross-selling right, to the current existing clients is a hugely profitable enterprise, and that's true at Wells Fargo. That's true in community banks everywhere. And the, the basic economics of this is pretty simple. First, explain the, the concept of cross-selling for people that don't know what it is. Sure. So if I'm a Wells Fargo uh, customer and I've got a checking account, but I've got my credit card through you know Amazon and Chase or something, then Wells Fargo looks at me and says, well, that we're making money from Peter's checking account. It'd be even better if we could make money from his checking account and from his credit card and from his mortgage and from every other uh, banking relationship that he has. And Wells Fargo has been incredibly explicit about this as their strategy. They've been praised for it. This is one of the reasons why it's seen to have been such a successful bank. They've been aiming at at having seven or eight relationships, independent relationships with each of their customers. And the economics of this is that if you're if it's so much more expensive to recruit one-off customers and clients for their individual services, yep. it's cheaper just in terms of infrastructure uh, and developing these relationships just to add relationships with an pre-existing 
customer. And there's nothing nefarious or unethical about the idea that uh, that having all of your banking done at one place uh, could be profitable for the bank, could be useful and convenient for the customer. Yeah. But what we're seeing here, and what Lisa alluded to, is this idea that uh, uh, that the incentive structure for the low-level banker employees, the personal bankers, are so extreme, the stakes so high, that it's it shouldn't surprise us at all that we see that we see fraudulence and uh, and and abuses of this kind with with that kind of incentive structure baked in. Lisa, as you kind of alluded to, this this in your mind, and I think it wouldn't be surprising to a lot of people, uh, is something that it's not just Wells Fargo that that probably is involved in this type of uh, of activity. Uh, right. So so then, you know, if we're sitting here trying to discuss and looking at this as being a profitable entity for the business, but obviously an issue with the consumer, what are the steps that need to be taken in your mind? Well, first, I think that um, as uh, as you all were talking about, this is this has happened at the lower levels of the of uh, Wells Fargo. Um, the first thing that would need to happen to show that there is a shift in strategy, a shift in thinking by management, is for somebody who is more senior to be fired. These are these have been happening over uh, several years since 2011. So it seems that if they were really sending a signal, there would be someone senior who was responsible for these lower-level personal bankers uh, who would be fired. But the second thing that would need to happen would be better monitoring generally by uh, not only Wells Fargo but uh, other banks. So clearly Wells Fargo wasn't paying attention when they uh, when these employees were illegally setting up these bank accounts um, and uh, bundling these products in the way uh, in the way described so uh, I think those are some first steps that need to happen but certainly I think that the CSPB uh, just needs to keep following uh, the trail doggedly uh, because I think that this is it's taken about five years to settle uh, this claim with Wells Fargo so um, I think that just uh, just because it takes time doesn't mean it shouldn't be pursued. So uh, those are the t- steps that I think need to be taken now. Well, and with the fact that uh, this was announced uh, late last week, we, I thought it would be a great opportunity for uh, the callers to chime in and, and give us their opinions about Wells Fargo and especially maybe some Wells Fargo customers that might be out there. If you'd like to give us a call, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. If you're a Wells Fargo customer, what does this do? Do you lose confidence in the bank? Are you thinking about moving to another bank right now? 844-942-7866. The other part that just actually, as you were talking, Peter, that that it, it kind of spurred an idea in my mind is that this kind of goes to a little bit of a philosophy that seemingly a lot of companies have right now in terms of trying to build a community. And Apple is well known of trying to build the community around all of their products. Wells Fargo obviously is trying to build a community to bring all kinds of different businesses, uh, pieces of business from one person into their operation. Obviously, it's, you know, one is much different than the other, but it's the community aspect that seemingly these companies are looking for more and more. Yeah, I don't I don't know if uh, companies are 
community organizers, really. I, the, yeah. I think that what they what they want is having to well the put, profit from the, the community, pro, the profit from the community, yeah. and 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 is community even the right metaphor if you are a, a banking customer? So. Uh, just take even my own uh, individual customer experience. I don't do all of my banking with my mortgage or credit cards or uh, or checking or savings or investing with a single entity. I don't even have overlap between two entities for all of these different relationships. Yeah. And the convenience factor would be lost on me because once you set these things up and you have automatic payments going, it's pretty effortless. Yep. So unlike other kinds of relationships where you might think, you know what, there's real, there's real, there are real economies that can be shared between bank and customer base, uh, the economies here are, are really for the bank. And so you can see why the bank would be pushing so aggressively uh, to get those. Does the customer gain by having a checking account and a savings account and a mortgage all at the same bank? I think that's a really interesting question. I think it could be something that um, could be measured. But the gains are not so dramatic that right. uh, we see a, a huge customer demand. This is exactly why you need the incentive structures. Otherwise, customers would right. be coming and saying, yeah. I want, I'm so tired of having six different banking relationships. Wells Fargo, can you help take this problem away? Sure. Customers don't see this as a problem. Wells Fargo sees this as a problem, and that's why we've seen this. Lisa? And I, I would uh, use the term rather than community uh, ecosystem. I think that's okay. the way they're thinking about it. And uh, when I say they, the uh, management is thinking about it. And I, I would agree. These are complementary product, products that are uh, pushed on customers. And then the problem that the CFPB, I guess, is most interested in is the one where um, customers are, are inertial. They face inertia. You know, they're they're charged for something. The uh, the fee is so small that uh, they don't pay attention to it. They don't delete it, and then they start getting larger and larger fees, uh, either for non-payment or for whatever reason. And that's when they start complaining. So in the meantime, um, banks have made a lot of money. You know, if um, if uh, a million people had you know five ninety nine charged to their accounts. Uh, over a course of a year, uh, you and, and you stop it from that point. You've already made your money, so uh, so it's a big problem. Eight four four Wharton is the number to give us a call. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Love to hear from some Wells Fargo customers. What do you think about this? And will this change your philosophy in terms of your banking? Are you going to shift to another institution? 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. The other interesting part is, like many banks, is that this is not the first time that Wells Fargo has had to pay a fine. And it's seemingly, I don't think, going to be the last. And it kind of goes back to something I think we've talked about on the show is the fact that these instances, obviously a little bit different, continue to happen. Yeah. And we don't see more of a crackdown, whether it come from the government the, at the federal level or at the state level, to kind of stop these practices altogether. Yeah, I, I think that, that there's some definitely some truth to that. It's also worth putting in perspective exactly how how extensive is this problem, at least as admitted so far. Yeah. So 5,300 employees, I mean, it's just a lot of people. But that's over four or five years Wells Fargo has over 220,000 employees, so it's less than 2% of their employees. It's, I don't want to minimize it. This is a real, a real problem. But the relative question I would want to know is, well, what's turnover generally at this low level? Yeah. Uh, and then the bigger question of all, and we addressed this earlier in the program, is 
who else is responsible for this at a higher level? Interestingly, the, the executive in the C-suite at Wells Fargo who supervised all of community banking over, over all of this just retired last year yeah. and had an extraordinary over $100 million retirement payout because yeah. she had been able to meet all the strategic goals that Wells Fargo had set out for her. Wells Fargo, like other banks post-financial crisis, has a clawback provision so that executives aren't rewarded for things that eventually cause the bank to fail or, or, uh, or lose a lot of money. But she retired and wasn't fired. And there's no the Wells Fargo is not saying anything about any kind of clawback for $120 million that, that was made here. Now, I don't want to say that, that, the, that $120 million was ill-gotten. We actually just don't know that much. And I think that's part of what's so troubling. Right. In right. the CFPB's settlement here, Wells Fargo doesn't admit or deny right. wrongdoing. Right. Um, that's a legal strategy on their part. Lawsuits are going to multiply on behalf of this customer base. There will be a class action suit. It's probably already been filed. Uh, there will still be local enforcement actions, uh, if not by the L.A. Uh, county or city attorney, then by others. And I think that's their idea there. But this this story is not has just begun. Right. Uh, and right. the real question that I have before I start to see this is a, a this bank is rotten to its core is. How extensive is this? Well, and that made me think as well, Lisa, is that, you know, the number right now is 5,300 employees. Are we going to see that number rise, uh, you know, in the months to come? I think that's a great question. And uh, again, I'm interested in the magnitude, sort of the number of jobs that may be lost and who will lose their jobs. Because um, as Peter was saying, if this is just sort of normal churn, um, you know, with the economy picking up, bankers may have other opportunities. Right. So we we just don't know if this is uh, normal or not. A signal would really be sent if there were someone uh, senior who is uh, who is let go. But I would agree with you on another point. This uh, seems to be uh, de rigueur for for Wells Fargo. Um, you know, the seventy million dollars in May that uh, that it was. Fine for mortgage practices yep. um, and 2014 uh, money laundering and uh, money laundering before. So this is, you know, this is a, a drop in the bucket. And and the real question is, what's going to happen uh, down the line with banking practices uh, more generally? Wells Fargo can't be the only one. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. may be the trendsetter. It may be the most aggressive with respect to charging. Uh, these fees, bundling uh, these products, but it's it's not alone. And as as you well know, um, these overdraft fees, for example, have become eight percent of total profit. Now, uh, overdraft fees are one category; they are the largest category. They account for two thirds of revenue from customer uh, bank accounts, but. This is just one type of fee. I mean, uh, banks in the U.S. are looking for uh, avenues of opportunity, no matter what, what kind of fees they're uh, charging. So this is a, a an ongoing model, right. and uh, they're looking for fees wherever they can get them. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Thomas in Houston, Texas. Thomas, welcome. Good morning. How are you guys? Doing well, sir. Go ahead. All right, so you made a good point. I bought into the whole, you know, put all your accounts, you know, make it easy. It's right across the road from me to go and bank with Wells Fargo. I'm one of their customers. But at the end of the day, uh, like Lisa said, that there's a lot of banks probably doing this type of stuff. But right now we know that Wells Fargo is. And so it's a simple thing. Just move your money. 
go to another bank. And in, in my own little way, that's how I show Wells Fargo, hey, you know, that's unfair. We're not going to play these games. And, and whether it's at the bottom level or the top level, something has to be done. And I'm not going to sit here and leave my money with you to let you play these games. You know, Thomas, that is that's uh, that's not a little way at all. That's exactly what causes the CEO of Wells Fargo. Your 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 analysis is what's going to cause him to lose sleep. Is that if right. customers respond right. exactly as you do, and I completely agree that if if the idea of having to uh, monitor with a magnifying glass all of your statements from the bank to make sure that you're not getting billed these five ninety nine charges or ten dollar charges. Fills you with horror. Fills me with horror. I would hate that idea of wasting that kind of time just fly-specking, looking for uh, evidence I'm being taken advantage of. Then moving your money to someplace else is uh, is a completely rational, fully reasonable thing, and that will that will be devastating to Wells Fargo's business if customers respond appropriately. I think, as Thomas has. Now, Thomas, are, are you going to uh, you're going to move your money out of Wells Fargo? Uh, are you going to now with the accounts that you have? Are you going to spread them out a little bit and not keep them all in one in one location? Well, you made a good point earlier that it is easy once you set the accounts up direct pay and things like that. It's not a walk-in transaction anymore. So you're right. But in somehow, in my mind, I always rationalized it that it was one bank, easy to deal with. But you're right. It's, it's, you can do that from the ease of your house. Well, Thomas, I have another question for you. Were, did you choose to consolidate all your banking at Wells Fargo, or did Wells Fargo bankers encourage that consolidation? Uh, the, the teller. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's almost a little bit Lisa like the I, I remember in when I was working in uh, in baseball we had uh, people from Disney that would come up and, and you know talk about the customer experience and and you know making sure that the customer gets uh, more uh, you know as much value as possible it's the old would you like fries with that you know that that McDonald's right. has yeah. you know it's the exact right. same philosophy Lisa no, that's right. That's right. Another question I would have for Thomas is where he would think about moving his money to. I mean, this would be, as I was saying, a more general problem. These large banks have a profit model that is uh, based on, on these fees. I think um, it would be interesting to know what Thomas is going to do with respect to the destination financial institution. Tom? because you guys probably have a lot more knowledge on this. I just planned on going to a credit union, and I yep. believe that it's a little bit smaller and just try to mm-hmm. deal with them directly. Right, right, right. That, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, I mean, to me too. They have, def, they have uh, different incentives, um, different uh, profit structures, so that, that may be a good bet. Another, another alternative uh, that Wells Fargo has entered and the other big banks have entered also is just pure online banking, sort of revolutionized yep. by originally ING, which was bought out by Capital One. And those are for people who just the idea of going into a bank and talking to people and being uh, harassed by their sales tactics sounds incredibly uncomfortable. Um, and that is uh, a previous generation sees that kind of relationship banking as essential to the enterprise. You want to give yeah. money to a person. Yeah. A new generation thinks, why on earth would I subject myself to that? <laughs> uh, and online banking becomes much more difficult to get uh, uh, you know, these kinds of cross-platform selling. Tom, we wish you all the best uh, down there in Houston. Thanks very much for the call. 
844-WHARTON is the number if you'd like to jump in. 844-942-7866. We're talking about the uh, Wells Fargo fines announced uh, last week. $185 million for the company creating fraudulent accounts. Some 5,300 employees fired over the last few years. Again, 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Again, Peter, this is not going to seemingly... I think change much in terms of the the philosophy of people because we're so much busier than we were ten years ago. Our lives are so you know revolving in such a quicker manner. People want it quicker, faster, and simpler, and that's where seemingly these banks have the uh, the the step up on a lot of the consumers right now. Yeah, I th- I think that's true. I mean, there is this sort of uh, uh, this chasm can be. I mean, banking products can be incredibly complicated. They're not all plain vanilla uh, savings accounts or checking accounts. Yeah. Um, when we get into the other side of the ledger, when you're borrowing money from a bank for mortgage purposes, or or uh, for example, Wells Fargo does thriving business with with small businesses like dentists or uh, or, or you know local merchants or that kind of thing. Um, then you kind of think, yeah. I'm going to hire you so that I don't have to think about this stuff anymore. I, I'm a dentist, yeah. not a banker. I went to dental school, not to Wharton. <laughs> That's so, right. That's right. So you know, take this off my plate. And uh, and Wells Fargo makes a lot of money that way. Lisa. So, right. and, yeah. and Peter, I would agree with you that uh, the kind of complaint that Thomas is raising and the kind of threat that Thomas was making is what will keep uh, Wells Fargo's uh, CEO up at night. Um, there was a movement during the financial crisis. Uh, I think Ariana Huffington was uh, leading it, uh, among others, uh, to move money from the large banks to uh, credit unions and to smaller uh, banking institutions. Uh, there is a movement now among uh, certain African Americans to move their uh, their accounts to. Uh, credit unions to um, to black-owned banks. I mean, I think that this is this keeps rearing its ugly head. So I think that people are paying attention. It just uh, depends on how much uh, equals a gathering storm right. and gets the attention of Wells Fargo CEO. Scarlett is in Palm Beach, Florida, joining us on the show. Scarlett, welcome. Yes, I'm driving in a turnpike listening to XM Radio here to you, and I'm very troubled. Our family has a ton of money with Wells Fargo, and we're talking as a family wondering what else are they untrustworthy about, and should we move our money to different banks? And I agree with you wholeheartedly. Having a credit card with the same company every bank with is a big mistake, especially for people that can't afford it. Can you imagine what they can do? They can uh, uh, take their bank account if they want to do their credit cards. I think that's very stupid. But having a ton of money like we do with them, I think, is stupid also because if they're untrustworthy about this, what else are they untrustworthy about? How many other fees are they charging us? Now we're going to have to have tax accounts go in and check and make sure we weren't charged uh, stupid fees. So it's very untroubling. It's very troubling. It's uh, unsettling. Um, I don't have any trust in them. Are you going to be moving uh, out of Wells Fargo, Scarlett? Uh, I think we're going to have another discussion about it, um, and and uh, definitely see because it, it it's just it, it, it's just not right. Yeah. Um, I you know I, just, I had when I first read these headlines I uh, I was just 
my initial reaction, not as a, a scholar of banking, but as a uh, customer of banks, was horror. Yeah. Because the, my relationship to banks is one of absolute pure convenience, right? Sure. I, mean, right. I study this right. stuff for a living. I never want to think about whether no. I have to trust this bank. Never. Yeah. I yeah. never want to go hunting for weird charges. Yep. Uh, and right. and even though the magnitude of this at Wells Fargo with their 220,000 employees and the five the you know 5300 fired over 4 years is small and even though we don't know how many other banks are doing exactly this or worse. Yeah. It's I think Scarlett is exactly right to be horrified by this and yeah. to say mm-hmm. where else can I go where I don't have to be troubled? The amount of time right. that I want to de- devote to my banking relationship is so tiny. And it is not something I want to grow. And any Wells Fargo customer who's reading the headlines should probably grow the amount of time they're spending in their banking relationships and not in a fun way. Lisa, you agree with all that? I, I definitely agree with it. And uh, I, I agree with Peter. My first reaction is as a former Wells Fargo uh, banking customer. And I, you know, I had an uneven experience with Wells Fargo. One of my accounts was completely lost. Uh, wow. Oh, jeez. <laughs> dis- dis- disappeared. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, and I had the account as a as a student. So it was it was uh, striking that I had to keep up with this, and it wasn't something that I uh, planned to keep up with. This wasn't the case with other banks I was banking with, and uh, Wells Fargo was aggressive. When I was um, a student during that period, and getting rid of um, visits to the counter, um, it was one of the most aggressive in installing uh, ATM machines. Yeah. So, so, so it's ironic that uh, they have a large labor force and they are um, incentivizing this labor force in a certain way. Uh, at the same time, they're providing the customer with an incentive and a penalty. Um, an, an incentive to use ATMs and a penalty for walking into the bank. So I think um, Wells Fargo is uh, is evolving, and it's been aggressive at every stage. I think that's its reputation. Scarlett, thanks very much for the call. Quickly, before we have to end this, uh, Lisa, it then playing off of something you were talking with Thomas about, is it your expectation that these types of problems are less frequent at the credit union, the small local bank, uh, the the institutions. I mean, I know that the scope of a company like USAA has changed over the last decade and has gotten much bigger. But you know, it was designed to be a military banking institution. Is right. your belief that that those types of institutions are probably a little bit safer than than the big banks right now? I, I am a person who is diversified, just as Peter was saying. I have yep. accounts at credit unions when uh, the other banks get kind of crazy and I have to do more monitoring than I want to do. Um, I've had credit card, uh, I'm sorry, credit union accounts to uh, be a buffer for, for that. Peter? I, my, my sense is that, uh, um, that this is, at this point, I am agnostic as to whether Wells Fargo is a particularly egregious actor here. Okay. Um, I am, uh, but I'm I'm open to believing. Yeah. Um, what I want to know more about is how the CFPB will proceed. Are we going to see a lot of these kinds of things? And the question I don't I just don't know the answer to is 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 the profit center for credit unions built on exactly this kind of thing where where customers are not going to identify yeah. the 
set of activities that are going to be generating profits and have to be sold on that. If that's the case, then I would be skeptical of credit unions also. But my sense is that that is not the profit center, that while they, like others, are going to earn money from having cross-sold platforms, that that's not their business model. That is Wells Fargo's business model, and it remains that way even after this this scandal. Great to see you again, Peter. Thank you very much. Lisa, great to have you on the phone with, with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Wish you all the best. Thank you. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.